Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean. Website can be found at scriptureandprophecy.com. That's where you go to find the archives, and that's where you go to support this mission of truth. This morning, we are looking at chapter 27 in our study in the Gospel according to Matthew, which deals with Jesus being delivered to Pilate, Judas hanging himself, uh, the crowd choosing Barnabas and making a statement that I think we overlook and uh, which is his blood be on us and our children. That's a, that's a statement that's just full of, well, reality. That's what actually happened. But they themselves said, let this responsibility be on us. Pilate delivers Jesus to be crucified. Obviously, Jesus is mocked by the Roman soldiers. And then, of course, we have the crucifixion itself and the death of death and burial of Jesus. That's what's taking place here in chapter 27. We also have a controversial verse that we have to point out and wrestle with the reality of its problems. And uh, we'll do that as well this morning. So that is what is on the agenda. I pray you'll be blessed this morning. Open up your hearts and let the Word of God speak to you. Let's begin. I'm reading from the King James Bible. The Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 27. Verse 1. And when the morning was come, all the chief priests and the elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned and that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? See thou to that. Please note, just a couple of things I want to point out about that. Notice it says that when Judas realized he was condemned, then he repented. That's not like really, in my opinion, true repentance. It's not, oh, I'm going to get caught. Oh, you know, the consequences. Now I'm sorry. Right, I feel like true repentance, especially as it relates to sin, has to deal with just grief over the sin itself, and for a moment putting yourself into up in opposition of God. Judas he realizes he's condemned. He says, "I." He tries to go back and give the money back, as if giving the money back is going to change what he the betrayal. But even the religious leaders are also so wicked. Number one, they paid somebody to betray him. And number two, they're like, what's it to us? That's your problem. I mean, just evil. Let's continue on. So they said, you see to that. That's your problem. Verse 5. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. The chief priest took the silver pieces and said, It is not lawful for us to put them into the treasury, because it is the price of blood. 
And they took counsel and bought with them the potter's field to bury strangers in. Wherefore that field was called the field of blood unto this day. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremy the prophet, saying, And he took thirty pieces of silver, the price of him that was valued, whom they of the children of Israel did value, and gave them for the potter's field, as the Lord appointed me. So please note, here is the controversial verse. Now, last week, we read about this prophecy. And we read it, but it didn't come from the prophet Jeremiah. It came from the prophet Zechariah. So, then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet. That's what most of your translations are going to say, because that's what a majority of the manuscripts say. But that verse is not found in the book of Jeremiah. It's found in Zechariah. So now we have a problem. And I don't have all the answers for you, but I can tell you what some of the speculation is about what went wrong here. Um, There's basically a few fields. There's two thoughts that I've come across uh, when studying commentary and things of that nature, and then I have my own thought. So one of the thoughts is, is that a scribe at some point put it there. I mean, that's literally some of the commentary that you're going to see. Um, so let me see here. Here's one commentary. This is from the TSK cross-references. It says, The words here quoted are not found in Jeremiah, but in Zechariah. And a variety of conjectures have been formed in order to reconcile this discrepancy. The most probable opinion seems to be that the name of the prophet was originally omitted by the evangelist and that the name of Jeremiah was added by some subsequent copyist. It is omitted in two manuscripts of the 12th century. So the argument here is we have two manuscripts where that's not in there. And so what those manuscripts basically say is that then was fulfilled that which was spoken by the prophet saying, right, which is pretty common in scriptures. That's, so this is the most likely thing, is that at some point, one of the copyist scribes um, may have added Jeremy, Jeremiah. <clears throat> That's one thought. Another thought, another commentary says that at uh, one point, the manus- because the manuscripts weren't broken in, up into chapters, which is true... Uh, and they weren't even really broken up into subsequent books. So, like, you had the writings, you had, the like, the prophets, you had the Torah. Like, all that was one thing. And uh, some people believe that the book of the prophets was commonly referred to as Jeremiah, even though it was multiple prophets. So that's a possibility as to why it would say this. Another possibility, this is just, this is my own thinking, and something that I just feel like we've had to learn over the years, uh, especially with the Dead Sea Scrolls, is that sometimes there's writings out there that the people might have had access to during Jesus' time and before that, that we just simply don't have and haven't come across, and maybe Jeremiah also said something about it, and it's just in a different writing. Either way... We know that the Bible does prophesy this very thing, this exact thing, 
It's in our, we read it last week. It's in the prophet Zechariah. And it was fulfilled in Jesus' day. And this is how it was fulfilled. Um, but we, at this point, all we can do is kind of speculate on why some of the manuscripts say Jeremiah when it was, in fact, Zechariah. So there you have it. That's the big controversy. It's not a big issue to me because it doesn't change much of anything. <laughs> this happened, and it was prophesied in the in the prophets in the Old Testament, and it was fulfilled. So no issue for me. Uh, I'm definitely not losing sleep over that problem. Let's move on to verse 11. And Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Are thou king of the Jews? And Jesus said unto him, Thou sayest. And when he was accused of the chief priests and the elders, he answered nothing. Then said Pilate unto him, Hearest thou not how many things they witness against thee? He answered him, To never a word, insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. Now, at the feast, the governor was wont to release unto the people a prisoner, whom they would. And they had a notable prisoner called Barnabas. Therefore, when they were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, Whom will ye that I release unto you, Barnabas or Jesus, which is called Christ? For he knew that they, for envy they had delivered him. All right, let's pause one more time. Uh, just to kind of talk about this for a second. You almost have to feel for Pilate a little bit. Um, he's trying to get Jesus off the hook here because he knows the only reason he's being delivered is because of envy, because of jealousy. He's not really there because he's committed any crime. So he's trying to find a way and he thinks, okay, I'm going to put him up against this murderer and surely the people won't want the murderer back on the streets as opposed to Jesus of Nazareth. Interesting thing about Barnabas is if you go and you look that up, um, obviously this is, you'll see it in Greek, Barnabas is Greek, uh, but it's of Chaldee origin. So if you go and you look at that word, which was gaon, it means arrogancy, pomp, pride, proud, swelling. So you have Yeshua, Yeshua up here, which means what? Jehovah saves. And in that time, they knew what these names meant. And then you have Gaon up there, which means arrogancy, pride. And what do they choose? What choice do they make? Verse 19, And when he was set down on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, Have nothing to do with just that just man, for I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barnabas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said to them, whether of twain will that I release unto you? And they said, Barnabas. Pilate saith unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? So he calls them out on it. He's like, What should I do with Jesus, the one who's called the Messiah? 
they all say unto him, Let him be crucified. And the governor said, Why? What evil hath he done? But they cried out more, saying, Let him be crucified. And when Pilate saw that he could not prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was made, he took water, washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See to it. See ye to it. Verse 25, Then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and our children. So please note, in 70 AD, that's exactly what happened. And the scriptures hold them responsible for his death, not the Romans. People try to make that argument. I've heard that over and over. But the Jews didn't kill Jesus, the Romans did. Well, the Bible points the blame at them. And even Jesus tells Pilate, Those who handed me over to you have the greater sin. Verse 26. Then released he Barnabas unto them. And when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Verse 27. And the soldiers of the governor took Jesus to a common hall and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers and they stripped him and put him in a scarlet robe. And when they had plaited a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit upon him and took the reed and smote him on the head. And after they had mocked him, they took the robe off of him and put his own raiment on and led him away to crucify him. And as they came out, they found a man of, of Siren, Simon by name him they compelled to bear his cross and when they were coming to a place called Golgotha that is to say a place of skull they gave him vinegar to drink mingled with gall and when he had tasted thereof he would not drink and they crucified him and parted his garments casting lots that it might be fulfilled which is spoken by the prophet they parted my garments among them and upon my vestures did they cast lots. And sitting down, they watched him there, and set over his head his accusation written, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then were there two thieves crucified with him, one on his right hand and the other on his left. And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads, and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest in three days, save yourself. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests mocking him, and the scribes and the elders said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. If he be king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now, if he will save him. For he said, I am the Son of God. The thieves also, which were crucified with him, cast the same in his teeth. Again, I keep wanting to point to the religious leaders. They're like, he trusted in God. I mean, they're literally mocking him for trusting in God. And of course, claiming to be the son of God. These people have never been real worshipers of God. According to their behavior and their attitude. These are just 
evil people seeking positions of power. Verse 45. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama, sabkanafi. That is to say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood there when they heard that said, This man calleth for Elias. And straight away one of them ran, took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. And the rest said, Let it be. Let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent and twain from top to bottom. And the earth did quake, and the rocks rent, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose, and came out of the grave after his resurrection, and went into the holy city, and appeared unto many. Now this is an interesting part of the story that you typically don't hear about. You go to church on Resurrection Sunday... That is about the resurrection. You don't hear about that. Um, you just, yeah, you just never really hear about this. But there was an earthquake. And out of the tomb came saints. Here's what it says. The graves were opened and many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of their graves. Now this was after his resurrection, Matthew tells us and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. Now, it's believed that what was likely happening here is that this would have been saints that people would have known and recognized at that time for the purpose of demonstrating the resurrection and the hope, right? Matthew Henry says, Some of the tombs were shattered and laid open by the earthquake. And while they continued unclosed... And they must have stood open all the Sabbath, seeing that the law would not allow any attempt to close them. Many bodies of holy men were raised. Perhaps, maybe it was Simeon or Zacharias or John the Baptist and others who had believed in Christ and were known in many in Jerusalem. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, went into the holy city, that being Jerusalem, and appeared to many who had probably known them before, God hereby signifying that Christ had conquered death. And would raise all of his saints in due season. So these saints came back from the dead. Were likely recognized by people as a demonstration that Jesus had conquered the grave. And that when the time comes, we too would raise from those graves. That's a beautiful hope. That is the blessed hope. Let's continue on. We're almost finished here. Uh, let's see. They came out of the graves. Verse 54. Now, when the centurion and they that were with him, watching Jesus, saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, Truly this was the Son of God. 
And many women were there beholding afar off, which followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering unto him. Among which was Mary Magdalene, and Mary the mother of James, and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee, of the Zebedee children. And when the evening was come, there came a rich man of Armethia, named Joseph, who also himself was a Jesus' disciple. And he went to Pilate, and he begged the body of Jesus. And then Pilate commanded the body to be delivered. And when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped him in a clean linen cloth, and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn out of the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulcher, and departed. And there was Mary Magdalene, and the other Mary, sitting over against the sepulcher. Now the next day, that followed the day of the preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees came together unto Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember that the deceiver said, While he was yet alive, after three days, I'll rise again. Commanded, therefore, that the sepulcher be made sure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away, and say unto the people, He is risen from the dead, so the last error shall be worse than the first. Pilate said unto them, Ye have, watch, go your way, make it as sure as you can. So they went and made the sepulchre sure, sealing the stone, and setting a watch. And that, my friends, is how chapter 27 ends. And then, of course, we have chapter 20. Actually, we're just going to read chapter 28, because it is only 20 verses, and then we will have the Gospel of Matthew wrapped up. So let's look at the resurrection of Jesus. So they just got it sheared up, right? Uh, because they had remembered Jesus claiming that he was coming back from the dead in three days. So they're like, we don't want the disciples. See, this is all important to the story. Because if they hadn't have done this, then it would be easier for somebody to try to make the argument that the disciples just stole the body. Right? And was, this whole thing was faked. But they had it sealed up and posted guards right so this the no shenanigans can be done here let's read the rest of the story at the end of the sabbath as it began to dawn towards the first day into the week came mary magdalene and the other mary to see the sepulcher and behold there was a great earthquake for the angel of the lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning, and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that you seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, Come, see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly. Tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you unto Galilee. There shall ye see him, lo, I have told you. Another thing to, to note, um, if you were making up a story, you wouldn't say in your story at that time uh, that the people who found Jesus, the credible people who found the tomb empty, were two women. You did, that's just not how you would have made it up 2,000 years ago. But this is what really happened. 
And verse 8, Then they departed quickly from the sepulchre with fear and great joy, and did run to bring his disciples' word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail! And they came and held him by his feet and worshipped him. I have a feeling that he didn't actually say all hail. Uh, he probably said, um, Shalom Malachim, peace be upon you. But this is a Greek manuscript. Verse 10. Then said Jesus unto them, Be not afraid. Go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee, and there they shall see me. And when they were going, behold, some of the watch came into the city and showed unto the chief priests all the things that were done. And when they were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, they gave large money unto the soldiers, saying, Say ye, his disciples came by night and stole him away while you slept. And if this come to the governor's ears, we will persuade him and secure you. So they took the money and did as they were taught. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews unto this day. Isn't that so interesting? The religious people, the religious leaders, I mean, paid the two soldiers to say that they were over that they fell asleep and the disciples were able to come and roll this massive stone out of the way without waking him up, break the seals that they had to secure it, and then take his body. <laughs> that's the story. And it says that that's what the that was commonly spoken and the Jews believed it. Verse 16. There's four more verses. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came, and he spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore, and teach all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So the Gospel of Matthew ends with the Great Commission. It's important to notice that he says, Go you therefore. In other words, in light of what has happened, which he says is, All power and authority is given to me in heaven and earth. So Jesus is telling his disciples, as of right now, I have all power and authority. As a result of that, therefore, go into the nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, and teaching them to do what? To observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. That's the mission. Go into the earth with the confidence that Jesus has all power and all authority in heaven and in earth, according to his own words, and teach people, make disciples of them, teaching them to obey the words of Messiah. That's what we're all called to do. I pray you've been blessed by this study, not just today, but all throughout. And we've covered it before, uh, but I just wanted to go after it again. And I think there's, I'm sure if we did side by side comparison of the studies, there's going to be things that I, that the Spirit brought to my attention in the first round that I didn't catch this time, and vice versa. Uh, so both studies are very, very valuable. Thank you for 
listening to the podcast and blessing me for this year. Um, I mean, I'm just so grateful to have had the privilege to do this another year, and I'm really looking forward to what God has planned for us going into next year as it pertains to this podcast and to our studies and to the work that's being done here. Peace and grace be with all of you. And until next time, God bless.